There is hope for us yet I am Laura McCowan, and I am Holly Whitaker, and this is Home Podcast. Oh, hello. Hello, friend. How are you You're back. I am back on the floor of my closet in San Francisco. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it feels different having you back. It's weird. How? I don't know. I can just tell that you're back. Yeah. You know? I can tell I'm back too. <laughs> yeah. You're like, God damn it. <sighs> yeah. Oh. We could That's t- funny. That's funny. You know, it is, it's really, it's interesting because um, when I got back into town, I mean, I've been, I've been off the map. I haven't really been talking to my friends. I mean, nobody and um, you. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> You've been talking to me. <laughs> I'm talking to you a lot. Um, but really no one, not my family. And I didn't really broadcast when I was coming back, but um, just people, some people, my closest friends, I would say, just some knew when I was back and yeah. so, um, like sixth sense kind of stuff, which is, which is funny, but it is nice funny and lovely. But I yeah. know, isn't it? People just kind of ping on your phone or yeah, yeah, yeah. it's cool. Yeah. So, how are you? I'm great. I am great. I'm uh just got home. It was a very long day. We woke up at I woke up early. Oh. We we were going to record. It was like not even it was so early it was late on your end that it yeah, was just like 1 or 2 in the morning or whatever and yeah. we thought I thought there's, you know, there's 50/50 chance that one of us like this isn't going to work, but we tried it and you know, didn't do it. But the cool thing was that I was already up and I felt great. So I wrote this morning. Great. And yeah. Were you awake when I texted? I was. I yep. thought so. I thought so. I woke up right at four and it was one of those. Uh, I woke up at four and I like kind of sprung out of bed. I mean, as much as you can spring <laughs> at four. Yeah. And I was like, I feel great. <laughs> and then I thought, I thought, I thought it was five and we were recording at five. So I was like, okay, got to get going. And then I realized it was four. I was like, oh, do I get back in or not? And I didn't. <laughs> so I started, I figured I would write for a little bit until we started. And then you texted at like 4.30. And so I got to write for a while. And um, so it's been a long day, but a really good day. Just yeah. full of, of lots of life today. You did today. sprints and stuff this morning. Oh my uh, God. I did sprints. I was like, I was barely like peeling myself out of bed at like 10. No, I got up about nine, but it was so funny. I was like, the woman is already, I knew you were up writing when I texted. I just had that feeling. I was like, the woman is already done. you like, <laughs> by the time I woke up, she's already done more things than I'll probably do today. Yeah. Well, let's say every day is not like that, but, it, but I have to say running sprints, it was really almost comical. Like my legs don't know how to run like that. Yeah. I, I mean, when's the last time you have like run for run your sprint? life? No. Never, since high school. No. Yeah. It's been a long time. It's been a long Try time. Try it. It's pretty funny because you're like, how, wait, how does this work? Oh God. And then it's just so <laughs> awkward. It's so <laughs> awkward. I had to do it. There was a shocking <laughs> 
there was a lot of people outside at 6 15 in the morning on the beach so I, I had to pick little strips of the beach where there no, nobody was because I was so like this is so so that's so fun we'll do that together when I come out to see you Yes, which is so soon. It's so soon. It's so soon. Uh, reunite to to face addiction. Um, we really have to get started in this episode. Oh my god, I feel like this is just our our <laughs> like our personal phone call. All right. Anyway, um, so today, why don't you start us off and explain what we are doing today? Yeah. So we have another letter um, that came into to your blog, and it is from Woman Before Mother. That's a pseudonym. And I'll just dive right into the question. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. Oh, well, actually, maybe set it up really quick. I mean, we're doing another letters episode. Let's so we're, yeah, we're, yeah. we're doing another letters episode. If, if you're, if you haven't listened before, Holly and I both have, um, uh, on our blog, we both have columns what do you what do you call it we have features features where you can submit a question hers is dear hip sobriety mine is ask i fly and we uh answer questions from readers and they could really be about anything but they tend to be about sobriety related issues um although i have a few received a few others that are not and you know each of us have responded to those on our own blogs but we thought it would be great to bring letters onto the show and talk about them because some of them are, are, you know, more juicy for discussion. And then, you know, um, yeah, so this is our second episode of letters. So we're going to sprinkle them throughout our other topics, uh, every now and then. Yeah. We're doing it back to back just because the, the timing of, of, of my trip and, and yeah. everything else is just, um, they're, they're easier to do because the material is already written. Um, and so it's, this is, we won't be doing a back to back going forward, but right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So the letter goes and it, this is from woman before mother. Dear Holly, when my three-year-old has been cry- loudly crying on and off over petty things for two hours, and I have kept my patience and still managed to get him to do what he has to do, bath, pajamas, etc. And that suddenly my one-year-old chimes in and starts screaming and wiggling so much that I can't put her diaper on. I feel like smacking them both really hard in the face. Mm-hmm. Sorry, sorry about that brutal truth. So instead, I leave their, them in their room, go to the kitchen and pour myself a big, almost to the brim glass of wine that I drink straight up. And then immediately another one that I drink a bit more slowly. And then I feel better and I go back to finish the bedtime routine without having to worry about child protection services. Yeah. How would you handle such a trigger? I know you're not a mother, but still. Oi. Um, That's why I don't have children. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Now, one of the reasons that we, the one of the reasons that we wanted to answer this uh, together is because I am a mother and, you know, and you have a lot to, I want to hear from you on, you know, ways to um, sort of interrupt those triggers or cycles when they're happening. So, so. So you're going to answer first. I'll answer first. Um. Oh gosh. I just, when I read this, it was like, I had, I, I just, I know exactly how hard that is. 
um, that the bedtime routine, man, and, and kids, it's just nothing tests your patience and your, nothing is more of a physical, mental um, arrest on your senses than, you know, than kids. And in, and especially around bedtime, um, I cannot tell you the number of stories that I've heard and read from women and even just this last weekend and I'll, and I'll talk about it a little bit from women who really started drinking when they had kids because, and it's similar situation, you know, it's like, I'm either staying home with the kids or I'm doing bedtime routine alone. And it's so, I'm so exhausted and I'm so at my wits end that I need to put some distance in between me and this thing that's happening. Um, and alcohol works, you know, it works. And, you know, people that start out relatively innocently, or maybe didn't have a, per se a drinking problem, but they had, you know, they would have a couple glasses of wine and it took the edge off and they could, they could deal and they could do nighttime routine and they could, um, you know, get through it. And it just softened the edges a little bit. And then, you know, that progressed and got into a, a ritual and then, you know, turned into something else. Um, the best way I've heard it put was this woman, uh, I heard, you know, I was talking to on, um, last Saturday and she said when she had her, when she, she was a very, you know, a successful career person. Um, she quit her job for a year to stay at home with her new baby and her husband had his first business trip nine when the baby was nine days old. And she suddenly found herself like in a different life. You know, she's sitting there, the, the days are really long. Um, she, here she has this beautiful baby that she's in, in love with, but it's, 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 she was really lonely um, and disconnected from, you know, all the things that she used to know about her life. And she found it really tremendously painful and got, you know, she started to, after the kid, after she put the kid to bed, she would have a drink and take some Ambien, eventually started taking Ambien and she would just zone out, you know, and go to bed. And it, she, she started to, to get into that habit. And, um, you know, so I guess the one thing, or one of the things I want to start out by saying is I get it and it totally makes sense. And I think any mother, um, any mother probably gets it. I, I can say in my own experience, oh my God. I mean, I, I too started drinking a lot when I had my daughter and there were, there were a lot of extenuating circumstances. I mean, we had a pretty crazy situation going on. We moved right after she was born. You know, we had a lot of financial problems, yada, yada, yada. But I, drinking worked and I did it and I did it nightly and, um, and it, and I, I totally get it. So, you know, as much as that may help or not, there's sympathy there. Um, the thing that I wanted to say about the, what the woman said, um, on Saturday night that I didn't say is she said it got to a point where I had this beautiful life, you know, this beautiful child, eventually two kids I had, you know, which this 
this reader does, women before mother, has two kids and I had this beautiful life and I couldn't access it because I had put this thing in between me and my, my life. And, you know, you don't get to selectively, like Brene Brown says, you don't get to selectively numb out your emotions. So you're, you're, you know, checking out of the discomfort, extreme discomfort of exhaustion and parenting. Um, but you're also checking out of the joy and the, the gladness and the, the excess accessibility of all the other stuff. Um, in terms of how, because they, they, you know, the question was really specific, like how would you handle such a trigger? Um, and I, I don't know that I even feel equipped because the reader doesn't really suggest more about her drinking, you know, what her drinking looks like. So uh, the only thing I can say is to be, it, she's right to be writing you. She's right to be aware of the fact that this is, you know, in her, you know, her description, she slams one glass and drinks another one. She's right to feel like there's something not right with that scene. You know, it's not, it's not good for her, especially, and it's not good for her kids. And that's not an immoral issue, you know, it's just, it's, it's alleviating a short-term pain, but it's slippery, slippery slope. I will say that um, she also, you know, there's a lot lacking in the letter too about it. There's so much, she has two kids. There's so much that we, um, that we can do that we don't think to do to help ease ourselves through those situations. Um, I mean, you, I hope you talk about like breath work and stuff, because that was what I immediately thought. I'm like, I, I, I wish I had those tools. Yeah. Like I wish I, instead of going into a room and, or locking yourself, or kid, not, she didn't lock her kids. I shouldn't say that, but putting her kids in a room and walking and slamming a glass of wine, like you can take those two or three minutes and stop it, you know, with, with breathing. Yeah. Um, and you know, the, I, I had no, I have none of those tools. And honestly, even if I had them, I wouldn't have used them. Yeah. Um, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't have used them, but I, I also, you know, I didn't know the big thing. I didn't know. No one plans on like becoming, a, a, you know, addicted to alcohol. No one, no, very rarely do we know it's happening. Uh, I certainly did not know it was happening. I knew in certain ways that I didn't you know that I wasn't necessarily okay, but I did not know what a slippery slope I was on. I had no idea. And I, I just listened to this letter and I think, oh my God, it's such a, it's like such a precious time. And it's such a uh, scary time you know, when you have young kids, it's such a, um, fucking really challenging. It's really, really hard. Um, so you gotta, you know, you gotta dig deep in whatever ways you can and, um, find ways to, to kind of cut that stuff off at the past. Meaning when you feel that trigger and you specifically asked about a trigger, 
you know, find, play with other ways to deal with it. And once you have a couple other things that you can do and you, and if you still want to go for the drink and if you're still doing it, you know, maybe that, that brings to light, you know, what you're actually dealing with. It's hard to say. Um, yeah, I think that's what I, you know, I would stop there. I want to, I, I hope we talk about it a little bit more after you answer, but oh God, I just, that time, you know, that was a really heavy period of my drinking and I have a lot of regret around it. Not regret as if, you know, I don't regret really any of the past, but I, I do feel lost for the times that I wasn't present. And it was so often, you know, especially around bedtime. I mean, I, and when I say it's painful, like I shed more tears than my daughter did around bedtime. And honestly, usually I wanted her to go to bed so that I could like get it on, get on yeah. with it. I really did. She yeah. was in the way of my drinking. And that is, that is the mind fuck of every mother who drinks, you know, the special vitriol saved for mothers who drink. It's yeah. really, really, um, it's really painful to know that you're doing that and you're supposed to be protecting and loving this, these children or this child, but you're still, you know, a when woman I got before a mother, a woman before <laughs> a mother. Yeah. And it's that, you know, maybe that's the root of this is like, I, one of the things that, that really helped me when I started to go to meetings is I heard a mother talk who said who told a story about you know she had left her kid um alone for an entire night and i you know i uh it was i i cried a lot in that meeting and i identified a lot and she said um you know she's been sober for decades now but she said you know addiction is stronger than love it's not you're not flawed. You're not, there's nothing, you know, this is not a moral issue. You're, you're, you know, you're sick. If that's the things that you're doing, you're sick. And to me, like a big light bulb went on then because it's like, you know, it's true. Like if I'm doing these things and I do love this, that my daughter more than anything in the world, truly. And I know that, and you know, I, I don't want to be doing these things, but yet I kept doing them. You know, I kept put and I I would have thoughts like she's getting in the way of my drinking like I wish she would just go to bed so I can have my wine I mean yeah that's that's um that's a problem so I you know I it's hard to tell to what degree um this woman before mother is struggling um if she's just let us in on a little piece or if it's you know a piece of a much larger picture um, but I will say anywhere along the spectrum, it is really painful to be a mother who's drinking and knows that you're doing it at the detriment of your kids or that you're drinking them away. You know, you're wishing them away. Um, it's really hard. So lots of love and compassion and um, you are not alone. That's what I've got, love. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, I have to agree, obviously, with everything that you say. And I think um, for me, all right, it's um, I'm not a mother. And um, I, I can only imagine. I can only imagine all the stuff that we have to do already. And then on top of that, um, being responsible for, for other lives. Mm. And 
I'm not going to go into that from a perspective of, of, of what it's like from her, from, from, from her perspective or any other mother's perspective. Cause I don't know. I'm not a mom, I'm not a mom. Yeah. And I, I don't know what that exact, what that specific, you know, trigger that ex- that specific moment really feels like. But what mm-hmm. I can come to this at with is just a perspective of somebody, you know, who is drinking to re- alleviate uh, a pain and is who's, mm-hmm. who's drinking to escape, which is what all of us do. Right. And it, it doesn't matter if it's, a, you know, a screaming one-year-old and three-year-old and it's, you know, slapping them in the face or having a, a glass of wine or two, or if it's, um, you know, like what most of, um, not most of my clients, because I have a lot of clients that are mothers, um, but whether it's, it's, you know, being so wound up from your day at work that all you can think to do when you get home is that, or whether it is being so anxious or be, you know, whatever it is, whatever the reason that we drink, we drink to relieve a pain. And the first thing I'll say to, to this, to this woman before mother is that it's smart. What she's doing is smart. It's not stupid. It's smart. She's, I mean, alcohol works. It really does until it doesn't work. And so she is, her body is, has learned that alcohol stops her from going overboard and from doing something else or it, it takes away a pain it, it relieves something yep. and so what she's doing is not crazy it's it actually is doing what it's meant to do which is it's taking her out of the game you know and so the first thing I say is that you know to anybody who's who's finding themselves compelled to use alcohol in that manner is just that it's it's smart it's not stupid you've learned how to how to how to self-medicate that it's not, mm-hmm. it's not going to work forever, right? It's not going to work forever. And it also has all these other psychological issues that are going along with it, like feeling like a shitty mom. Um, you know, and so th- that's the first thing I ask anybody that's, you know, mother or whoever is finding themselves going to the kitchen and pouring a glass of wine to the brim and downing it and then pouring a second. Um, is that what you're doing is you're, you're taking care of yourself in the only way that you've learned how to take care of yourself. You just haven't learned the right way yet. Um, totally. but there's so many things, I mean, I could probably sit here and go on and on and on about coping mechanisms and tools and whatnot, but the biggest thing to kind of keep in mind in all of this, um, is that we're, our bodies consistently seek balance. That's it. Mm-hmm. We are, we are basically instruments that know that look for center. And if we take these bodies and if we wake up and we go from the beginning of the day and we, until the end of the day, and we crash through our doors and we, you know, have a second shift and we, you know, we basically are piled up with responsibilities. We don't take the time out to take care of ourselves that we get into states that we need extreme measures to pull ourselves out from. Mm-hmm. And so there's so much, I mean, like this is, there's just not enough time to talk about all the different things that, that, you know, I, I would like to talk about here, but the, the main thing to keep in mind is that when she has gotten to that point, it's not the kids that are doing it. It's everything that happened in that day and everything up to that moment 
that are doing it. The kids are just the, you know, the straw that's breaking the camel's back. My guess is, you know, that that is, there is a lot of other pain that's happening in this life. And whether it's, you know, unprocessed trauma or whether it's a go, go, go lifestyle that's too compressed or whether it is, you know, any number of things that cause us to need to escape in the first place, that there's a lot of stuff that's going on before, before bedtime. And so, you know, the number one thing I always say, I mean, it's called, it's called hyper arousal. And you get to the point where you're so at the breaking point, you have to do something extreme to pull yourself out into hypo arousal. So meaning like when you're in this agitated state, that's far beyond being able to, um, you've, you've basically pushed, pushed past your, it's, um, Culture glass ceiling, glass ceiling. Uh, well, you're kept, you're in homeostasis. You know, that's what I like. That's what I attempt because I'm, I'm. I was just talking to one of my clients about this right before this call. Like, we try and keep ourselves in this. Like, the the goal is to keep ourselves. You know, we might peak and val, like we might have peaks and valleys, but the goal is to keep us in. And and you know for a fact from talking to me the last couple of days, I blew my glass ceiling. I mean, I <laughs> I walked. I walked like I, I did. I walked like 60 miles within the last four days. I, w- yeah. I did countless yoga classes. I, you know, I <laughs> did a, a romance. I left the city I was in love with. I drank, you know, too many cappuccinos. I only ate sugar. I, you know what I mean? I basically right. blew did it not, out. I blew it out. I completely blew it out. And what I was left with was, a, I was a crying, slobbery mess as I left Rome. And yeah. I knew that. I knew that. I mean, I, I was, I was completely in, like last night, Laura and I were texting and she said, go to bed. You're insane. And it was true. I was insane. I had pushed past. All but that's how, resources. yeah, it's actually a perfect analogy because it, there's nothing that has made me feel more insane than, than dealing with my child when I, you know, I'm pushed to that state. When you're already pushed to that state and it's not even, and maybe your child is, is taking you there too, but there's, there's so many things that have come before this. And so the main thing is to just like the main point, And I, like I said, I could go on and on and on and share just a lot of information, but I think the main thing, to, the main keep away is that one of the best things that we can do for ourselves is keep ourselves in check throughout the day and in check throughout our lives. So that means throughout a day, it means taking breathing breaks. It means allowing space. It means not going, 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 and not thinking that we can do it all. It means it yeah. means creating boundaries and and monitoring our energy level, right? So that we're not like pushed to the state where by the end of the day where we have to take it so far down and completely black ourselves out. Right. And so it's keeping herself like the biggest thing to her is, is keep yourself in an optimal zone so that you don't push past your glass ceiling. Okay. Yeah. And I, I want to add to that because I think there's something that I can add as a mom to that statement, which is totally perfect about, because none of us think of it like that. Right. We think I, I go, go, go all day. And then I come home and that's where I unwind. But those extreme states are like, you're so right that you're already in a state of agitation by the time you come home. But maybe this mom is already at home all day, you know, and, and her balance is already knocked off because it sounds like she has a a one-year-old and a three-year-old. And so it takes time to like, it takes time and there's nothing wrong with like feeling that, that discomfort. It takes so much time to rebalance. She has a new life with two kids now, you know? Yeah. And you have to completely relearn your 
how, you know, what your new, new normal looks like yeah. and what your new balance looks like and what your, what you can do to soothe yourself out of that. Um, so I would just add that cause I, I think sometimes I can imagine moms hearing this and going, that sounds great. You know, like, great. Like I'll take breathing breaks and it just sounds so far fetched because our lives don't feel like that, but that's like, we have to really disrupt the way that we perceive our time and how busy we have to be and how much we have to do. That's right. I mean, you can't do this perfect. There's no, there's no perfect in this. And and the first thing I was getting to is just managing ourselves on a day-to-day basis, but there's also an overall picture here, which is we have to, and this goes to the same thing, um, getting, you know, blowing past our ceiling. We have to include self-care. I mean, Mm -hmm. you have to have recreate, like you can't just, if you're just a mom all day long, you can't just be a mom all day long. You have to find it in your life and like you have to find a way in order to take care of yourself the oxygen mask your oxygen mask first and that means you know getting a massage if that's available to you or it means doing something that is your time and for you and i know that there's a lot of people that are going to say that's completely impossible that's not for me well then if that's the state of mind that people have that tends to be what's true for them meaning that's impossible and Mm -hmm. and therefore it's not going to happen but it is possible there are people that make it happen that find pieces for themselves because if we don't take care of ourselves if we don't invest in our personal time, in our health, and in our lives, if we completely hand over our lives to anything, whether it's your kids or a job or a man or whatever, then we suffer. And it comes out somewhere. It comes mm-hmm. out somewhere. And if we can find the time to, you know, to black out and get drunk at the end of the night, then we can find time to also put time in our days. To oh, totally. I know. that. That's a funny part is like I spent, you know, the last five hours of the day, you know, drinking or whatever. Yeah, how much for- time was lost to that, right? And that's time that you can invest. And it's not easy. I'm not saying this is easy. This is fucking hard. This is hard. This is something that I, that I like literally don't do myself, right? And this is, this is something that I is a constant pulling myself back to center, a constant adding in the self-care. I blow past it all the time. Like I just said, I blew past it big time. And I, you know, had to pull it back in, but this is what we have to do, right? Like we have to take care of ourselves. If we expect ourselves to do all the things that we want to do, we have to take care of ourselves. We have to keep ourselves in some sort of stasis so that we don't, because like I said, the beginning, the body seeks balance. So if we push Mm -hmm. ourselves too far, it's going, we're going to need extreme measures to pull ourselves out. And that's ambient and that's alcohol and that's, you know, pot and cigarettes and endless amounts of TV and any like endless amounts of, you know, drama and go- I mean, anything that we do to distract ourselves from our lives. Right? right. And that we do in mass is, is something that we're doing because our body just can't handle all the shit that we expect out of it. Right. It needs, yeah. it needs to tune out. It needs to escape. It needs to sleep, walk. It needs to go unconscious because it just cannot handle what we're asking it to do. Right. It and that, yeah. It, and totally. And there, and I, you know, I would say like of those things that we could do, like alcohol is such a tricky, tricky one, you know, it's the, uh, it's like, I, I just, there, it's like, it, it sucks the, not only, like, yeah, you go unconscious for a while, but it like sucks your life force. So in the morning, you know, the women before mothers probably waking up, even if she only had two glasses, like 
you're foggy, you know, or you're and it's just like this a perpetual cycle that you're in Groundhog Day, you know, or at least yeah. I can speak for myself. I ended up in Groundhog Day because you just keep doing it, you know, your body is addicted to it and then you just, it's a cycle. But, um, what I, one thing I was thinking of that I love as you were talking was my yoga teacher, um, David Vendetti, who I took my yoga, both my yoga teacher trainings from said that, so he says there's little pockets of, of rest in every day. Yeah. Like you can find them. It can yeah. be, you know, I, 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 instead of thinking, oh my gosh, I, I, I used to get out of my bed and think, I can't wait to return to my bed. Yeah. Literally. Like, and I had a whole day ahead of me and I can't wait till the time when I return to my bed. You know, that's sad. And it's also like really, it's really like mean to myself because, yeah. you, well, know, you know what? I mean, that's you, basically that's you saying, I would rather sleep through my life than actually live my life. I mean, that's and I was so tired <laughs> and so exhausted and, you know, it's, and you know, especially motherhood, like it is beautiful and it is wonderful, but it is monotonous and it, and it has its days where you're just doing the drill, you know, yeah. you're another bedtime and, you know, with a one and a three-year-old, that's like, holy shit. Yeah. I mean, that's serious. That's serious young kid stuff. I mean, you're basically living with two insane people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she is, she's living with two insane people. You yeah. should read also, um, Woman Before Mother should check out Glennon Melton's blog, Monastery. Like so many posts are relevant and she wrote one recently that is so perfect. And it's, um, it says it's, it's not your fault. It's them. And it's about how she lives with insane people because she lives with kids, you know, so it's not your fault. It's their fault. And she's also, you know, sober and, um, in, has been in recovery for a long time. I think like 11 or 13 years or something. As old so your son is. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the, so the first thing I was, the first point was just to, to mind the stasis of it, right. To mind the stasis and to really, truly, you know, for this woman or for anybody to really try and do things to allow ourselves to, um, to not work ourselves up, to not wind ourselves up so much that at the end of the day we explode or we need, you know, we need a drastic measure. So that's the first. And then the second is just in those moments where like, you know, I mean, this is the thing, right? Like you're, you're, she's in a feedback loop of using alcohol and this is, this is, this is, you know, I don't need to know much more about her story to know, you know, that she's, She's got an unhealthy relationship with alcohol, right? She's on a mm-hmm. she's on a sobriety blog and she's writing into it and asking, you know, how do I stop yeah. using the substance? So there's regardless of the level of abuse, it's a problem. It's a problem, right? Mm-hmm. And it's something that needs to be taken seriously because it does. It's a slippery slope, it gets worse. It doesn't get better, it gets worse. And so there's a lot of stuff that needs to be done. I mean, the, you know, the main thing is just starting to look at, you know, not just looking for a coping mechanism, which I'll talk about, but you know, this is something that really is going to require some sort of, um, it's, it's an, it's a problem with alcohol. I mean, you know, it's, it's something that needs to be addressed either through a 12 step program or through any sort of, you know, refuge. I mean, there's, there's a lot of different modalities out there to use, but it's an abuse, it's an abuse problem. You know, we're using, she's using alcohol, um, in order to escape. Um, she's, she herself is not happy with her drinking and therefore it's a drinking problem. So it's something that really does need to be addressed. So I do want to say that before I get into coping mechanisms, because I, there's just no like, Oh, do this. And that fixes it. That's not, no, the I case. know that's you not said the it case. so much more eloquently there's, than I did. And you said kind of what I wanted to say, but couldn't. Yeah. So that's awesome. 
Well, there's an unhealthy relationship with alcohol and that's it. And it needs to be addressed. And there's so many different ways that it can be done. But I mean, it's, it's not just, oh, here, do this at bedtime. But um, so the, but I will say that in those moments, right there in those moments, the thing that I, that I, that I can, that I told me, you know, like my clients that are trying for sobriety and that end up, you know, drinking when they hadn't wanted to and hadn't intended to, um, what we often do is we just go back to what led up to that. And we usually deconstruct it. Um, and, and we work towards creating, I mean, it's a feedback loop. Addiction is a feedback loop. Our body knows, Hey, alcohol is allowing us. We know this works. We know that if I go to the kitchen and I pour these two glasses of wine, I don't slap my child. I know that I feel better. I know that I don't feel like I'm going to tear my hair out. I know that, you know, all these different things. Our body Mm -hmm. is learned that this substance brings us to a comfortable state. It removes, it works. It's the pain reliever. And so, and that it's just alcohol. It just happens to be alcohol. But the truth is that you can really find many tools that will provide the same thing for you. Like I said, you have to do some sort of recovery work on this. Like there's an out, there is a lot of stuff I'm sure that's going on that needs to be addressed. And so I highly encourage this person to either join a, like a 12 step program or look into doing some sort of work on the addiction, but to specifically answer what to do when we're in this state, well, it's to use a different tool, to start to repattern ourselves to use a different tool. And that mm-hmm. means like for me, I don't use alcohol anymore. I don't use drugs anymore. I still get to these states. And I, when I open up, I just imagine like I have a toolbox there. And when I go and I open up that toolbox, there is no alcohol in it. And there is no marijuana in it, right? Okay. There's, no, there's nothing in there that's an artificial escape right? When I go to that toolbox, when I'm at my wit's end, there is a whole bunch of different things that I've collected over time, right? There's breathing exercises, there's meditations. Breath work is one of the best things you can do to pull yourself out of a state, like you were saying. There's meditations, there's all sorts of things. But, um, but, you know, that that is not just going to work alone. I'm just, there's just no, oh, hey, do this and and that will solve your problem. Um, Totally. It's not, it's just not that easy. So, I mean, I guess like summing up how I would answer this is first start working on keeping yourself. Like one of the first things that I do with my clients and that I, that I, that I do with myself is going back to the day and making sure that the day is not, that we're not winding ourselves up to the point where we have to bring it down with an extreme measure. Right. So it's called just just keeping ourselves in our comfort, not our comfort zone. Oh, I like what you call it, or you become a master of your own energy. Yeah, become a master of your own energy and work throughout the day, you know, like to keep yourself and also take time out of, you know, take time in your life to put yourself first and to do things that you enjoy. This is not a death sentence. Motherhood is not, and no, nothing is a death sentence to, to, to your life. And when you start to look at it that way and you start to not make time for taking care of yourself, you lose yourself, right? And so keeping yourself in stasis is one, the first thing. The second thing is, you know, um, starting to create a toolbox that doesn't include alcohol. And the third is obviously working on uh, an abusive relationship with alcohol, which requires a lot, which requires a lot of work. It does. Mm -hmm. And, 
it it's it's not a, it's not not a one and done it's it's you know it's an ongoing thing and it's not just about alcohol i mean i'm still i'm still doing all this i haven't drank in you know two and a half years but i still do this work i'm so that i live a life that i don't need to escape from so that i live a healthy life right and that one where i when i do get to the where i don't get to many of those points but when i do get to those points I have tools to pull me back in. So that's how I'd answer it. Perfect. I love it. Yeah. I love it. I, um, I love it. I wouldn't even add to anything you said. I think that the, you know, I just, my, my heart goes out to, to any mom who's going through something like that, but God, I have, I am here to say (laughs) mother, motherhood is like, my relationship with my daughter a, is infinitely better than it ever was before. And second, like, because I don't you know remove how, the alcohol because I removed the alcohol. And second, I have no idea how I did it while I was drinking, like zero idea. I mean, I feel that way about my entire life, but you did it. We both do, but you do, but it was so it's, it is painful it is painful to, to experience those nights and experience the day to day with motherhood. It is, it is rough. It is, it is painful in many ways. It is so much more painful to be caught in addiction to alcohol and have an alcohol problem, a bad relationship with alcohol. It is infinitely more painful. And it's a Uh, lot more work. Oh my God. The amount of work, the amount of work. I I was just thinking of Wayne Dyer as we were just saying that because he, um, he has a whole riff on it. Um, and I have been thinking about him every day since he passed away, but he has a whole riff on it. Like he would say with people who wanted to quit smoking, you know, they would say it's hard to quit smoking. And he'd be like, who told you that? Who told you it's hard to quit smoking? You know, it's hard to smoke. It is yeah. hard to be a smoker. Think yeah. of all the things you have to do to smoke. Yeah. You have to buy the cigarettes. You have to spend the money. You have to go outside all the time or whatever. You have to light oh, the thing. God. You have to do all of it. You have to worry about your clothes, worry about your breath, you know, you Ugh. all kinds of stuff. What do you have to do to not smoke? You just don't smoke. You just don't smoke. And it, of course, yes, it's hard to quit. It's Yes, it is. You know this. That's not to like minimize it. Smoking is, yes, it is hard to fucking quit. It is. It's hard to quit. And it's fucking really, it's the hardest thing I've ever done to get sober. But that said, you know, on the other side. On the other side. Yeah. But, oh my God, it's infinitely easier and and more um, joyful and bright. And even, I mean, I, I regularly flip out at my daughter and at the just exasperation of being a single mom when I, when I have her. And it's like, even then, you know, I, like you said, my, drinking isn't an option any, anymore. And so I have to do other stuff and I've gotten a little bit better at it. You know, maybe you've gotten really good bit. at it. Yeah. So, you've gotten anyway. really good at it. Don't undersell it. I mean, you've gotten, you've become a pro at it. You're you're well, I don't drink. A year. You're almost a year, you know, and know. and and that's in a year. A lot of shit can happen, you know, when you haven't drank, and that's that's yeah. You're 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 doing, you know, you're not just shabbily making it by. You're doing a great job using other tools. Do you go through, you know, juggling a career and 
a blog and a daughter and, you know, I mean, I could go on and on, but yeah, it, you're a living example that it can be done, you know? Yeah. Thank you. All oh, right. Okay. I feel Are like we, it's I think good. Yeah. I yeah. Think it's good. We've done I a good job. Good. And I think, um, listen to me, we've done a great job. No, no. I think no, that I mean, we answered our, good. it feels good. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And, um, I am so ready to pass out. Yeah. It's late there. Um, cool. I'm going to eat. <laughs> All right. So nice. next week we are doing, uh, steps four, five, and six. And I'm really excited about it because I, you know, yeah. as things go, I've had, I mean, I just continue to, to evolve my opinions on, on this stuff. So I, yeah, I'm excited to get into, these are the, these are the, the, um, I don't know. The more they're juicy, they're good. Yeah, it's gonna be. It's gonna be a good. It's gonna be a good program. I know. Um, I can't wait. I know. One. I can't either. So yeah. All right. All right, my love. I will. I will talk to you on the other side. a little tiny amount of feedback when you were talking about the um